Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you hear that music, you know it's the steam room. And I'm Ernie Johnson with Charles Barkley. All you loyal steamers out there, thanks for tuning in. We do appreciate that. And if this is your first time, well, we welcome you. And and that guy sitting over there in the corner of the steam room with that loci bracelet on, that's Charles Barkley. Chuckster, oh, you got an Auburn shirt on today. Okay, good. Yes, I do. Okay, guys, I am so excited today because you talk about special, special, special guests. We got one coming up. Irvin Magic Johnson, as a matter of fact. But first of all. First of all, got a few things on my mind. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the great John Chaney. Uh, passed away uh, last week. I know John Chaney forever. What a great man and a great coach. Coached at Temple for 100 years. Watching him coach, he was scowling all the time. You know, people talk about the little confrontation with John Calipari. That's not John Chaney. John Chaney is a coach who had his guys practice at 6 in the morning, so they would go to bed early. And he always talked to them about education. One of the reasons I admire John Chaney and John Thompson, you know, all these guys talk about we're screwing these college players, not giving them anything. And, I, and I've always believed, hey, the system is not perfect, but a free education is a great gift. And John Chaney and John Thompson always believe, he says, hey, an education can pay your bills. So I just want to acknowledge Coach Chaney uh, for being a wonderful man. And uh, thank you, John Chaney. Would you like to have played for John Chaney, given the 6 a.m. Uh, practices every now and then? Well, uh, yeah, in college. Because you're not going out every night in college. You only do that at the NBA. So I, I don't mind that <laughs> in college. You go to bed every night. And uh, so, no, but, man, what a good dude. Got to know him yeah. all these years in Philadelphia. So rest in peace, Coach Cheney. And now I want to act like I know what I'm talking about. Man, I am so sick of all these chumps, fools, and jackasses on television trying to disparage my boy Bill Belichick. Hey, listen, Tom Brady is the greatest football player I've ever seen. He is the GOAT. Bill Belichick is the greatest football coach uh, Nick Saban's the greatest college coach, but Bill Belichick is the greatest pro football coach ever. That's not debatable. I'm I'm getting a little disappointed that my guys who have zero talent, you can't have a come up with fake stories. Who was better, Belichick and Brady? They go together, fools. It's not one or the other. Just because Coach Belichick had a down year and Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl, that doesn't mean one was more important than the other. And I'm getting sick of these guys, and they've been doing it all year, saying who was more important. Guys, come up. Have some talent and an honest opinion. Don't try to just say stuff to get people to click on to your news channel or your stupid radio show. They go together. And so uh, it's frustrating that people actually have these debates on television and get paid to have these stupid debates. But Belichick is great, and Tom Brady is great. So this notion that just because Tom is in the Super Bowl, he got a better team, plain and simple. 
So it's really driving me nuts that these guys are because they have no talent. It makes great TV and clickbait. Who's better? But they they're synonymous together. So guys, stop being jackasses and fools. You ever think about turning it off? We want Ernie. You know, part of our job is to see what's happening in the sports world. I mean, because part of our job is to go on radio shows and promote TNT Thursday. You know, they said, hey, we need you to go on this radio show. And you notice when we go on radio show, they said, from TNT Thursday. So they want us to go on these shows. So you have to, you you know, I'm going to watch sports. I ain't going to get on here and be like one of these players like, well, I don't listen to the radio. I don't watch television. I'm like, yeah, that's the first lie. So uh, <laughs> let that so please stop saying that. Everybody watches television. Everybody watches the news, or they should. Uh, but everybody watches uh, Sports Center. It's an amazing thing. I mean, I want to know what's happening in, in in all the games. I didn't get to watch every game. I want to know what's happening in football. You know, I want to know what's happening in baseball. Uh, so I think it's important. I want to like. I want to know Aaron Arenado got traded from Colorado to St. Louis. I want to know that George Sprinkle signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. But you just don't want to hear this endless debate about uh, the fa- it's Belichick fake news. versus yeah, it's fake. No, and I, and I and I get what you're saying, and and we all want to keep up with what's actually going on out there. And but yeah, I think it gets a little wearying sometimes when it's okay, this show is going to have the debate about Belichick and Brady, and then this show is going to have it. Then this show is going to – that's that's the point where I kind of say, look, I've heard this all before. I'm just going to click it off. Yeah. And, and the thing that's going to be interesting, Ernie, I know how stupid these people are on the TV because I know a lot of them. They get, after the game Sunday, it's going to be Tom Brady, it was all him. Ben Brad, ben, uh, Bill Belichick didn't do it. It was all Tom Brady. Or – Oh, we told y'all Patrick Mahomes was not as good as y'all thought he was. I mean, it, it, you know what, what the story's going to be Monday morning. Exactly. Exactly. It's important that when you're on television to tell the truth. I really believe that. Like, even if your opinion is wrong, I don't. it, it bothers me if you make up fake stuff. So that's the only point I want to make. So now I'm getting to the juicy stuff. Oh, my. This is the last, first of all. Ernie, I need you to give people... That phone number to the Charles Barkley message line. I need help, America. I need y'all help. I'm trying to find the perfect daddy-daughter song, and I really need help. Uh, My daughter's on my ass right now because it's six weeks out, actually a month out, and I've I've heard a bunch of songs. I'm not going to lie, but I want it to be the perfect song. What have you heard, Chuck? Uh, is it the butterfly song? Butterfly kisses. Butterfly kisses. That's yeah. all right. That you know, but I want I I want somebody to give me something that's like that my daughter knows this is the most important day in my life. I'm so happy I'm gonna be like I, you know, Ernie, you got a couple kids, but like me walking her down the aisle is gonna be the greatest day in my life. Yeah. So like I say, there might be a sleeper song out there. That's what I'm asking. The number is 404-987-0330, 404-987-0330. Maybe during next week's show, we'll have some ideas for you. Uh, yes. Uh, if, if some folks will call the uh, uh, Chuck's answering machine. Here, here's the thing. Like this, the song that my daughter Maggie and I danced to after her wedding was one that she and I had heard a lot when she was growing up 
as an old Jimmy Buffett song called Little Miss Magic. Oh, man. I like that, Ernie. And the words were, were just, every time we heard it, it was always like, that's kind of our song. And so it was really a no-brainer for me that night that that was going to be the one. In fact, and here's, and here's the top around the thing, I had gone to a, I've been to a handful of Jimmy Buffett concerts. And before one of them, I actually got him to uh, record like an intro to the, to the song which he geared toward Maggie. And um, so that was really cool. Was Jimmy Buffett, Little Miss Magic? Little Miss Magic. Hey, Alexa, <laughs> play Jimmy Buffett, A Little Miss Magic. Little Miss Magic by Jimmy Buffett from Pandora. Ernie, this thing putting me to sleep. I'm getting ready to dance. You slow dance with your daughter. My next of kin. Yeah. There you go. Damn, Ernie. But listen to the whole thing after we got done with the podcast. I will. It's a great song. It's a great song. It is. So, uh, but see, Ernie, I would never even think about that. That's one of the reasons I asked. Like, there's going to be some sleeper songs to come in that, I, that I'm excited to hear. So feel free, guys, to call in and leave me a, a father-daughter dance song at her wedding. 404-987-0330. Consider it done, Chuckster. I bet we'll get some good stuff next week. Yes. Uh, meantime, Irvin Magic Johnson is standing by. So let's Ooh. take a break and then talk. Man, I get to sit here and talk to two legends. Next. We welcome you back to the steam room, everybody. Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. Oh, yeah, I can already tell by the applause from the Chuckster. He is excited about this guest. Ernie, sometimes I say special, but this is a special, special, special guest, America. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I think everyone out there will agree when we introduce Irvin Magic Johnson. And, and Magic, we only have one rule on the steam room. Okay. When you come into the steam room as a guest, please keep your towel on. <laughs> hey, that's a good rule. That's a good rule. <laughs> good to hear that laugh. Good to see you. Always is. How's life these days for you, Irv? Well, life is great. And, uh, when you think about all the things that's going on, I do thank God for my family being healthy. My parents are both 85, 86, and, uh, you know, they're still trucking along. And then uh, Cookie and the kids are doing good. Got two grandchildren now. Isn't that the best of all time? It is. It is. When they put on your, your pants leg and they just look up at you, uh, that's the greatest feeling in the world. And then so... I'm good, and I'm just happy to be on with you two in the steam room. So this is really cool, and hanging out with my boy Charles, you know that anytime is great. You, you know the thing that's amazing? I tell people, and I'm not saying it's just because you're on the podcast. I says, Irvin Maddox Johnson Larry Bird are singularly those two guys are what the NBA is today. Because it, it, it wasn't always on national television every night. And you and Larry Bird, number one, going back to college, I just want to say thank you for what you guys did for all the NBA family. Because if you guys, you guys revolutionized the game and made it a national and a worldwide game. Well, thank you. You know, it, it started, like you said, in college, Charles. We ended up playing each other for the national championship game in 1979. Uh, he had led Indiana State to a 33-0 season, Larry Bird did. And then my Spartans, we, we, we got hot at the right time. 
and uh, we had won 10 in a row and lost the last game of the season, but we were playing our best basketball then. And then to meet for the championship, and that game is still the highest rated college basketball game in NCAA history. So uh, to win that game, Michigan State did, and then to end up him with the Boston Celtics, the most storied franchise at that time, and myself going to the Lakers on the West Coast, and then they had already a bitter, bitter rivalry. It just made it was gold for the NBA. As you know, my first year I ended up playing against Dr. J, my idol. It's it's crazy how how you know I just beat Larry Bird. But now, oh, what people don't realize, I'm sorry, let me go back to this. Before I turned pro Charles, I called Dr. J because I know he had been in a similar situation. So over that summer, I said, hey, should I turn pro? What do you think are the pros and cons? Because you've been through this situation. You know what he did, Charles? He said, Urban, I'm going to fly you out to Philadelphia, and let's talk in person while I'm in the NBA playoffs. We're playing Atlanta Hawks at that time. I said, what? <laughs> Where am I going to stay? He said, you're going to stay at the house with me and Turquoise. I said, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> here I am, a college kid. Dr. J is flying me to Philly and stay at his house, and I get to see the playoff game. Man, I had a great time for a weekend, and he took me through the whole thing. So I, turned, I came back, turned pro, and then I faced <laughs> – here it is. Seven months later, I faced him in the NBA championship in the finals. Oh, that was crazy, man. So we did turn the NBA around. Um, but what was uh, really unique, and you touched on it, the NBA finals with the Lakers and Sixers in the 1980 was on tape delayed. That's how crazy it was. I played in the game, Charles, and ran back to the hotel <laughs> and watched the whole game. <laughs> It's amazing because you talk about tape late. You're you against Bird. That to me is my first recollection of March Madness. I, I you know, I, I tell people like obviously it's gone bananas and like working it every year now is the cool one of the coolest things I ever did. But I think for me, that was my first recollection of watching March Madness. Uh not just the finals, but like all the way through that tournament because and people say, you got to watch this kid at Michigan State named Magic Johnson. And everybody's like, okay, let's watch this. And then Bird had uh, Carl Nix and those guys, and they were undefeated. They're like, man, there's this white guy from Indiana. He is great, great, great. And this, I mean, it, it, just, it, just, it was the perfect storm. It really was. And I want to tell everybody something, a secret that probably most people don't know. Larry Bird and I sat on the bench for the first time in our career the year before we met for the NCAA championship game, we had played in a World Invitational Tournament. We went down to Kentucky. So Joe B. Hall is the coach. So he decides to start all his Kentucky guys and field four. And so Jack Gibbons was the small forward. He started in front of Larry Bird. And so uh, they had, you know, Sidney Moncrief, all these other guys ahead of me. So we're on the bench, Charles. So uh, we're scrimmaging them every single day, and we're blowing them out. Now, the second team is blowing out the first team. <laughs> <laughs> so Larry Bird and I took it personal, right? 
And so when the actual game started, we played Russia, Yugoslavia, all these teams. Well, when we got into the game, we were only up like 10 points. When Larry Bird and I got in, we took that game to 30-point lead. We were doing no-look passes to each other. The crowd was going crazy. So, you know, after the game, <laughs> the sports writer would come in and say, um, why aren't you two starting? <laughs> I said, both of us said, you had to go and ask Joe B. Hall why we're not starting. But that's the first time in my career ever that I did not start, and I think it was the first time for Larry Bird, the same thing. Hey, Magic, let's get into that relationship with Larry. When So you go from that, where you kind of have this, uh, this uh, you're sitting on the bench saying, you know, we both ought to be in there, but then you you compete against each other at the highest level. How did the relationship ebb and flow in that time? Well, Ernie, because the Celtics and Lakers met so many times, I believe it was eight times before we both ended up for the, with the Celtics and Lakers, it was already a, a hatred there, a dislike there. And so we happened to be a part of that, right? So when we first met in 84, and this is the first time I ever, Ernie and Charles, didn't perform well in a championship series. In 84, we had a chance. We won game one in Boston. We had a chance to win game two in Boston. Gerald Henderson, we're up two. He steals the ball with 10 seconds to go, lays it in, ties the game up. Now we have seven seconds to go. I was supposed to throw it into Kareem. I don't do that. We don't get a shot off. So we end up going into overtime. We lose that game. Now it's a 1-1 a series. The Celtics did something that really made us better later, but it really hurt us in this series. In game three, when we went back to L.A., we go up uh, and we win that game. But in game four, that's when Kevin McHale closed line Kurt Ramsey, and it changed the whole series because now – Instead of playing basketball, Ernie and Charles, we were about fighting. We were about more trying to get them back, trying to be physical, trying to do things that took us out of our game and took us out of the flow of the game. And sure enough, that was the, the worst series I ever had in my life. I turned the ball over too many times. So we end up losing that seven-game series. God has a way of working things out. In 85, we played them right back this, the next year. I said to myself, Charles, I had to get better over that summer. I improved. My outside shot improved. Everything improved. We end up beating them in 85 right back. And what happened, Ernie, was this. In 87, Converse said, hey, I want to uh, shoot a commercial with you and Larry. So I won the MVP that year, so he got to come to me. You know, Charles, how we do that, <laughs> <Yes>. you know. <laughs> yes. He got to come to L.A. And they said, no, Larry don't like to travel. He don't like to get on the airplane. Would you go to French Lake, Indiana? I said, what, 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 I, I'm the MVP, and we won the championship. <laughs> Why I got to fly to French Lake, Indiana? And by the way, where is French Lake, Indiana? <laughs> so... I, <laughs> I gave in. I said, okay. So we flew to Indianapolis. We had to drive from there to Prince Lake. Man, I got into town, Charles. He he owned everything. I mean, he's on every corner and billboard. So we were driving through the town. 
And now I get to his 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 estate, Ernie, and I say that because it must have been two to three hundred acres, right? So I'm driving, and we keep driving and driving and driving, and I get to a court, and I said, "Wow, this is beautiful." He had a full court. I get out, and I said to I said to him, "Hey, Larry, this is beautiful." He said, "Yeah, it ought to be. I built it myself." I said. What? He said, yeah, I laid the concrete. I put up the gold. Oh, man. I said, you built this whole thing with your own two hands? He said, yeah. I said, wow. That's who Larry Bird is, right? That dude. Now, Charles, you and I are going to pay somebody to do that. No question. No question. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this question. You've always been successful at basketball on every level. And now I want to say thank you for something else because Junior Brisman, who does it on the down low, who's, who's an amazing story, but you have taught us basketball players how to be businessmen. When did you make that decision? And, and what's the best advice you ever got to go from being, hey, what can I do when my career is over? How can I monetize this in the business world? Great question, child. Uh, I think first just seeing uh, Dave being still in Detroit, and then when Oscar Robinson owned his construction company, right? So I got a chance to talk to both of those guys, and I said, wow, okay, I know now I can do it. I've always wanted to be a businessman, but I had to see somebody else do it before me, and so uh, I got a chance to talk to those two guys, and the guy who really changed my life was Roger Staubach. People don't know this. Roger Staubach was one of the biggest uh, housing developers in the state of Texas, and he sold his company, Charles. This guy was incredible. He's probably a billionaire now, but nobody knows it, see? And so when I went down to Dallas and he met with me, I said, wow, he gave me some great information. So he was the one as an athlete who actually changed my mindset with meeting with Roger Starback. So from there, I had different guys give me um became my mentor. Dr. Jerry Buss, owner of the Lakers, was, was my first mentor. And then Peter Gruber, who now is part owner of the Golden State Warriors, he became my second mentor and gave me valuable uh, advice. And also, we became business partners, Peter and I, as we own the Dodgers uh, together now and other different uh, businesses. But what I, I was a student of the game, Charles, but I also was a student of business. So it's almost like you had to uh, reinvent yourself. Why am I proud of you? Because you've reinvented yourself so many times. Your platform has grown and your brand has grown so big outside of just playing basketball and what you're doing now on TNT, but other things. People don't know your portfolio either. So I just wanted to uh, become a businessman and um, thank God I've been able to do it. I've been able to help small black business owners and Latino owners during this time. My company, Equitrust, we put up $325 million to help those businesses when the Paycheck Protection Program did not trickle down to small black business owners or Latino business owners and women-owned businesses. We were able to save now, child, about 15,000 businesses. We will continue to help them because we need those businesses to be able to take care of the community that they serve, as well as keep their employees as well. 
You know what's amazing? I you, you don't even know this story. I, I've told it before a couple times. When you first signed for a million dollars, I think you were the first best NBA player to sign for a million dollars. We were going around the locker room high-fiving each other. And I'm talking, I'm in the locker room with Maurice Cheeks, Dr. J, Moses Malone, Andrew Tony, and we're high-fiving like we couldn't believe an NBA player made a million dollars. And we're like, Magic Johnson's going to make a million dollars playing basketball. In your wildest expectations, could you have foreseen where we would be today? No. I mean, they're making 40-something million a year, and oh, wow. No way I would think the game would explode like it has. The salaries would be what they are today because you talked about uh, the average when you played. When I first entered, the average salary at that time, $75,000, you know, was the minimum. I only made 400000 Larry Bird made 400000 as well when we first came into the, the league. And so look where we are today. Look at the households that we're in today in terms of not just here in America, but overseas. You and I and our dream team uh, teammates had a lot to do with that as well. And i tell you something, Ernie. This dude here, Charles Barkley, this dude, man, we go over – First of all, we had so much fun. First of all, started in San Diego, Portland, the airplane rides, Monte Carlo, and then Barcelona. Charles, Scottie Pippen, and Michael Jordan, all, of, all four of us, we would play cards every single day. We had so much fun. If it wasn't for those three guys, I wouldn't have had as much fun. I'm talking about away from basketball, away from the court. What did you learn about Charles from the Dream Team that you didn't know before? He is the biggest star with his – he was so charismatic, and he cared about the people. What I learned about him – so he, we would play cards until a certain time, and then Charles, it was time for him to go. So <laughs> when he went outside, he was going among the people. I think it's called the Romulus or something like yes, that. Yes, the Los Romulus. Yes. When we heard the roar – now, it was like 30,000 people outside our hotel every single day. You know that this dude, Charles Barkley, stood up there for hours taking pictures, signing autographs, saying hello to people. And then what he did on the court, Ernie, it wasn't Magic, it wasn't Michael, it wasn't Larry, it wasn't Patrick, it wasn't David Robinson, it wasn't Carl Malone, it wasn't John Stockton, it wasn't Chris Mullen, it wasn't Clyde Drexler. The dude that turned the Olympics out was Charles Barkley. You look at the tape, this dude, man, he dominated both on the break and in our half-court offense. He just, he was unstoppable. And so it made our jobs easier because nobody could match up with Charles. And not, not because he's sitting here today. If you go in any interview I've ever done, they say, well, who was the star of the Dream Team? Charles Barkley. Did you get pretty deep into his pockets on those, uh, on those card games? It was a fluid situation, Ernie. <laughs> fluid. Uh, hey, uh, Magic, number one, thank you for the kind words. Let me tell you something. A couple of those long-ass flights, Ernie, you can lose a nice little fortune. <laughs> and we all did. We gamble every single night, Ernie. 
uh, us four got together every single night, not one night, not 10 nights, every single night, me, Magic, Scotty, and Michael got together and gambled. And, and it, it was it was awesome. Yeah, it, it really was. And also, too, that made our team come together. Remember, Ernie, what they said, this team could never play together. And we proved everybody wrong. We won by an average of 42 points a game. We dominated everybody. And it was so much fun to finally on my bucket list get to play with guys like Charles and Michael and Larry. It was just truly awesome. So I had a, a wonderful time. Ernie, let me tell you a story about, because I was blessed to play on the first two dream teams. And you talk about Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, and Maddie Johnson all on the Mount Rushmore of basketball. I have never had more fun playing basketball with guys than I had on that first dream team. And you like I'm not even mentioning David and Patrick and Carl Malone, those guys and John Stockton. But let me tell you something. I played in 96 and I hated it. You know, I wasn't gonna play in 96 because I wanted somebody to us to enjoy the Olympic experience. And Leonard Wilkins called me and said, hey, I want you to play. I need some veteran guys. And that team was no fun whatsoever. I'm not going to call no names. Guys were bitching about playing time. Guys were bitching about who was starting. I've told that story before. I said, yo, man, I just played with the greatest team ever. Nobody complained about playing time. Nobody else complained about who was starting. Because Chuck had two different starting lineups. And nobody ever said, well, I should be starting. Chuck did a great job. Chuck dated rest his soul. And I said, you guys are complaining about who started. We're playing in the Olympics in the United States. I said, and you guys are complaining about starting time and who's playing the most minutes. I said, man, I played on the greatest team ever. Nobody complained. Nobody said, coach, I should be starting in front of this guy. Coach, I'm not getting enough minutes. And, I, and I'm just t- I, I've told that story, man. That was, and Matthew just said it. I've never had more fun. Guys just getting together. Like Patrick, Patrick Ewing and Larry Bird became like best friends. We made up T-shirts called Larry and Harry. I mean, <laughs> it was crazy. And like two guys who don't even, uh, you got a, a black guy from Africa. Uh, you got a white guy from French Lake. They're hanging out like brothers every night. And we made them T-shirts. And I was like, it was awesome. And I said, that was the kind of what uh, Dream Team won. Then I say I had all the issues with Dream Team 2, Ernie. I tell people, you got 10, 20,000 people waiting outside the hotel every single day, and they can only see us like probably 10 yards. <laughs> like they only get to see you walk like 10 yards. You got 20,000 people screaming. It was awesome. And then you got hundreds of people on the side of the highway holding up signs because they knew we were coming. So we had two police cars in front two police cars in back. We had two guys on motorcycles on the side, and each one, and one of them had a machine gun. We had a, and we had a helicopter above the bus. So everybody knew we was coming. And you see thousands of people on the way to practice to the game just holding up signs with different guys' name on it. And listen, let's be honest. Most of them had Magic, Michael, or Larry on it, but it was still awesome just to be a part of it. Magic, I want to kind of veer off of this um, and bring up, the fact that in November of this year, it'll be 30 years since your announcement uh, about HIV. Man, when you reflect on that 30 years later, um, 
tell me, tell me what thoughts come to your mind. First of all, you know, you sit there and get this devastating news. You thought, you know, you were going to be playing basketball forever in terms of you had more uh, basketball left in me. And so when I got this news, and at that time, it was a death sentence, right? We, and we didn't hear of a lot of people living. Uh, HIV would normally turn into AIDS, so and then people were passing away. When I first got called from Utah and called back from that game to go home, and when Dr. Melman was sitting there telling me that I had HIV, and uh, I was just devastated. But the, the, the thing that really more than myself, I was worried about my, my wife, Cookie, and our, our, with our son, uh, EJ. She was pregnant at that time with our son, EJ. So I didn't know what, is she healthy? Is, yeah. is she going to have HIV? You know, that's what really, the down part was thinking about that, right? So when I drove home to tell her that, you know, I had HIV and she began to cry, that broke my heart. See, when you make mistakes, it's one thing to hurt yourself. But it's another thing to hurt somebody who love you, you know, who care about you. So she began to cry. And this when I knew I had a chance, Ernie, because I said, hey, I, I can understand if you want to leave me. And when she smacked me upside my head and said, we're going to beat this together, let's get down on our knees and pray. That's when I knew I had a chance, you know, because she decided to stay with me, support me. Because what do you need when you're going through something or, you, or you're sick or whatever? You need a support system. You need some people around you to support you. And then the thing that has also changed my life, and Charles, you remember this, it was the All-Star game. When Charles and Michael, uh, all those guys decided to play against me, Isaiah, uh, so the, that was the East to play against me. But also the fans voted me in, and the NBA, David Stern, allowed me to play. And then the one guy who really said, you know what, Irvin, uh, you could start in front of me. And that was Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway allowed me to, you know, start. And so Dennis Rodman came at me, which was, I needed that. I needed him to check me hard, you know, like it was a real game. And I, that brought down Ernie the fears of a lot of the guys and also the fans. And that I had to show them I was okay everything was going to be okay. So that was really good. That was good therapy for me. Not knowing that, you know, I was going to win the MVP and we win the game. But just at that time, that's what I needed. And that's when I knew I was going to be here for a long time. And then getting calls from Chuck, Michael, Larry, you know, my NBA family, they came and, and, and really supported me. And, um, and so that was also important. That game actually changed HIV and AIDS. So I give David Stern rest in peace, you know, uh, to David as well, because he deserved a lot of credit for, you know, a lot of people were like, are you crazy letting Magic play in the game? And, and, and you know, and so it actually changed the HIV and AIDS whole agenda, whole platform. And so, a lady that saved my life, Ernie and Child, was Elizabeth Glazier was dying at that time. And she was the one who told me I was going to be here for a long time. And she said, look, look, I need you to become the face of the disease. And I decided to be that face. And sure enough, I've done a lot in HIV and AIDS. And now we're dealing with COVID. We had a similar situation and problems. When HIV and AIDS first hit, 
it, it, it has the same issues that the COVID. There was not enough medicine, enough drugs. And so to me, when I see COVID-19 right now, I said, wow, I think back to 1991, we had the same problems with HIV and AIDS as we do today with COVID-19, but now we have a vaccine. We never had a vaccine with the HIV and AIDS, but we got some good drugs. That's why I've been here for a long time. I've kept taking my meds and having a positive attitude. You know, uh, when that happened, I was just sitting there, when I was watching the press conference, I just started crying. And because, you know, we didn't know anything about that disease back then. And I remember I, I, I gave you a call. I said, hey, Magic, I, I, I don't know what to say to you, but I just want to thank you, man, and tell you how much I appreciate it. And I said, I'm going to wear number 32 uh, for the rest of the season. I shouldn't have told you that until I got approval. So I, <laughs> I, I, I did. I, I called Billy Cunningham, who's always been great to me. I said, Billy, hey, uh, you saw this, the news with Irvin. I, I want to wear a 32 because it was retired by the Sixers. He says, oh, yeah, that will be a cool thing. So shout out to Billy Cunningham for giving me permission to take his number out to Raptors. So, Ernie, you said 30 years? Yeah, 1991. Yeah, November will be 30 years, man. Wow. I was just going to throw something out real quick, too, uh, Chuckster, about the time that we could all work together, which was so special for for all of us, Irv, um, because, well, especially a, a guy like me, and, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here, I've got, I'm looking over here at, Charles Barkley on one side and Magic Johnson and other Kennys in there. And, and it was just a great time of, of learning the game from guys who had played it at the highest level, but also just, man, did we have some laughs. Yeah, it was one of the greatest times I've ever had because, Ernie, you being strong with your faith and also your family just really touched me so much. Kenny understands who he is and you know, it's really great because uh, he balances Charles off so well. And then the superstar of the show, and he, he has been since he's been on, and that's Charles Barkley. And people always, you know, came up to me and said, how do you work with I said, it's Charles' show, and I understand that. So I just get in where I fit in, right? And it was really wonderful. But those two guys and yourself, Ernie, who had been on that show way before I got on, you guys welcomed me with open arms. You allowed me uh, – the biggest platform on TV at that time and still today. And to see Charles dominate on the basketball court and now dominate on TV, you know, he makes me so happy and so proud every single time. And I crack up. Even now with Shaq on, I just sit there and I just crack up, you know, because <laughs> it's such an entertaining show. No show on TV. And then what really made me proud, too, another moment, Ernie, and all the awards that you guys have won has been amazing, too, but this is the last point I want to make about Charles. When Monday Night Football called, and I said, wow, I'm sitting next to the dude that could be on Monday Night Football, my brother, my friend. You, you, you know, I mean, see, I'm not caught up like a lot of dudes jealous, uh, envy. Uh, you know, that can't support somebody else. I was sitting there thinking, like, when Charles got that call, even though he turned it down, it was like I got the call, too. You know, I'm going to Monday Night Football, too. <laughs> uh, that's the greatest thing. But I got to tell you this story, uh, Ernie, right quick. So we at 
the Tyson-Michael Spinks fight, the biggest fight in the world. Both dudes undefeated. So, you know, Charles, I, I love him because he's people really don't know Charles Barkley. He helped so many people. There were times when we got off TNT at what, 1.30 in the morning, 2 o'clock. Charles was going to the hotel, sleeping for only two, three hours, had to catch a 6 o'clock flight because he had committed to a golf tournament or some fundraiser, and he would not miss. Charles, you taught me a lot during that time, brother. Thank you for having the biggest heart. But I, I got to finish this story about you. So we're in Atlantic City. So it's Charles, Michael, Patrick, me, Lonzo Morning. I mean, all the NBA guys are lined up together. So Charles Barkley goes to the concession stand, and he's taking all the orders. What you want? What you want? What you want? What you want? So the bell rings now. He's gone, Ernie, to the concession stand. The bell rings for the first round. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> Mike Tyson runs over in 18 seconds <laughs> and knocks Michael Speaks out. Here comes Charles about a minute later. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and we all said, you missed the whole fight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. He took all the Coke's beers and everything, and he just threw them up in the air. <laughs> he was uh -huh. so Chuckster, I don't know that you've actually ever revealed that story. We appreciate that, Magic. <laughs> you know, one thing about Irv, he is, we are, we are. I can say we are. We are the biggest boxing fans in the world. I tell people, I've been to a lot of events. There's nothing like a big fight. And it's so much fun. And I just love when we all stand up and they both walk into the ring. You know, <laughs> it's just nothing like it. And you and I have seen them all. You know, oh, he's, he's seen most of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can think of now one he didn't see. <laughs> we had to tell him everything that happened. He was so mad. I've never seen child that mad, especially we all had ringside seats. So, <laughs> Chuckster, that's that is absolute gold right there. Ernie, I had to go. Hey, I had to go get all the beers and sodas and stuff because I was a low man on the totem pole. Oh, <laughs> oh that's tremendous! Hey, hey, you're the big dog now, baby. Don't worry about roles have changed. Don't worry about a thing. Urban <laughs> Magic Johnson, man, is is it good to catch up? Is it just good to sit here and listen to the stories you guys can share, man? That's it's awesome stuff. Um, glad you're well. Glad the family's well. Glad you were part of the Turner family for, for the time that you were, and uh, you'll always be a friend. And uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. No, it's my pleasure. When I got the call, I said, oh, I got to make this happen because, you know, you two are special to me. And so continue to do what you're doing, blessing the world, entertaining us, and also, you know, making sure we understand the NBA and the, the games of the week. And, uh, Charles, I also want to say congratulations to your daughter, man. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you. Getting married and everything. So please just enjoy. And uh, I know, you know, my son, Mary, this, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to see your kids when they're happy, you know? Well, you know, uh, number one, uh, first of all, I didn't realize you were a grandfather until you said at the beginning of the interview. So, and, I, and Ernie talks about it every single day, just for the record, <laughs> Ernie. <laughs> 
I want to say this because I, I, I'm getting, I'm looking forward to doing your documentary too. And I told you, man, and I've said it not just because you're on the podcast. You and Larry Bird are the two most important people in NBA history. You are Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas. I want to thank you for everything you did for me and my family because I've had a great life because of you guys. And the second thing I want to say, thank you for teaching us how to be businessmen. You know, 80% of professional athletes go broke yep. because the day they stop playing their sport, they don't, they don't know what to do. They're broke in a couple of years and uh, bad investment. So I want to thank you for teaching us guys. Like I say, I don't want to leave out Dave Bing and Junior Bridgman. Uh, they both do it uh, quietly, but guys can actually see you and guys talk about you all the time. I want to be a businessman like Magic Johnson. So uh, thank you for that, man. Uh, I appreciate it. And Junior Brisner is one of my heroes because he's done it well. You're absolutely right. And uh, also a fir first class dude, you know. And so, listen, we're here only for a short time. So we just got to bless other people. We got to do what we can do. And you two have been blessing other people. God has blessed us to have the lives that we have, to be on TV, to have this type of platform, all of us. And so we will continue to just hopefully stay blessed but also continue to just bless other people that's what it's all about and then if we do then we'll get blessed so thanks both of you love you guys thanks for having me love you too man thanks for coming on hey hey how old are your grandkids by the way uh 12 and 10. what do they call you pop pop oh i'm i'm poppy so pop pop and poppy and we'll see what we'll see what charles is called one of these you guys days. you guys are so vain y'all still grand y'all grandpas stop trying uh, to clean it up it's the greatest greatest thing in the world hey if i knew grandkids are going to be this good i would have had them first exactly it keeps you going magic thanks man great to talk to you i love you guys take care now be careful Right back at you, man. See you. That was a legendary conversation between Charles Barkley and Irvin Magic Johnson. And the uh, the parade of legends oh continues. Yes! Parade of legends. Tim Kiley, the longtime producer <laughs> of Inside the NBA. The parade of legends. Well, you know. I appreciate it, Eads. Thank you. Uh, of course, of course. What's on your mind today, young man? Chuck, Sea of Love by Phil Phillips. Do you remember when oh, that we one? met? Check that one out. TK is for my daughter. Chuck, just check it out. Okay. I thought you were going to say, hey, you need to watch the movie Sea of Love with Ellen Barkin and Al Pacino. There you go. Yeah. But this is a good tune. Okay. I don't think that movie was very good, if I remember correctly. I just said, have you seen it? No, I've, I've watched them all. I've watched them <laughs> no all. No one I've been watching. <laughs> the Godfather, I've watched that movie three times in the last week. Godfather 1? And 2. You've watched 1 and 2 each three times? Yes. Best. Yes. Because uh, this network, I think it's called Paramount. Uh-huh. They got them on a row, on a row like uh, like like TNT has Law and Order. Show it like every day, all day. Yeah. Yep, I saw it too, Chuck. What? What's that? Al Pacino. Oh, yes. Yeah. Al Pacino. Yeah. Hey, I didn't know Marlon Brando was born in Nebraska. I did not know that either. Because I always look at the cast and where they were born. 
And I've always thought Marlon Brando was like this great European actor. He was born in Omaha, Nebraska. Wow. Hey, we're deep into this podcast, Ernie. No Super Bowl talk yet. So, Chuck? I was holding that until you got on here. Chiefs minus three. Oof. You know, TK, I ain't lying. This is going to be the hardest Super Bowl ever to bet. If the Chiefs were playing, losing those two offensive linemen is huge. Yep. Huge. But with their weapons, if they were playing anybody other than Tom Brady, I'd be racing to the sports book to bet on the Chiefs. <laughs> but Tom Brady got me terrified. You think he's got the Chiefs terrified? Yeah. When I played against a great player, you know, you're like, okay, that guy is just as good as me or he's better. Because there's really nothing you can do about it. Like, you can play as well as you can play. Like, the night we played the Bulls uh, in game two, I had said, we're going to win this game tonight. And I said, I guarantee it. I was saying that to myself in my mind. I remember telling my daughter that. Because every time I told her we're going to win a game, we're always won the game. I said, we're going to win tonight, baby girl. And I scored like 48. Michael Jones scored 54. <laughs> and like, the only thing that I'm thinking, though, the line's been three, three the whole time. I would really love to see the go to, to, to go to three and a half. You want that field goal cushion. I want that half a point cushion. That's it. But I think it's going to be a field goal game one way or the other. Yep. It's a scary game, though. I don't think you'd be shocked either one of them won. So I haven't made a decision. I'm not going to lie. Where are you going to watch it? Oh, Vegas. I'm going back to Vegas for the 25th straight year. Now, <laughs> it's not going to be as fun as usually is because normally I have a, like 15 guys with me. They're limiting me to six guys, Ernie, including myself, because of COVID. All right, well, Chuck, this might help you in Vegas. And, Ernie, I'm going to go to you first on this one. This is one of the prop bets you can get. Caps got it up. The odds on the primary color of Jim Nance's tie. You see the odds, 3-1 to one blue, 7-2 to two black, 9-2 to two red, 8-1 to one purple, or you can have the field for 7-2. to two. Okay, here's the thing. He's not going to want anything that's going to look like a team color. Right. Primary color for Kansas City is red, correct? So you can't go red. So you can't go red. Correct. For the Bucks, I mean, they're, they're both kind of red teams, right? Yeah. Pewter and reddish. Yeah. You know what I think he might do? He's going to – I'm going to go with kind of a – a brighter blue that kind of pops. So that's that's what I'll do. I'll say I'll say the primary color will be blue. There you go, Chuck. You got your bet. You gonna <laughs> run to the cage with that one? No, I'm not running on the like that's like the idiot who bet on the coin flip <laughs> and bet on the time of the national anthem. <laughs> you know, like that's just losers. Final score. 34-31 Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh, a push. He's going for the push. No, right? not, not if he gets that three and a hay. <laughs> if he gets that three and a hay, then the, then the Chuckster is rolling. All right, he got one more from you from Cap here. Three Super Bowl MVPs have been from UGA. Can either of you guys name any of them? Wow. Georgia. None from Auburn. Wow. Sorry, Chuck. Georgia ain't had a good player since Herschel Walker. Oh, um, golly, this is, a, this is a tough one right here. Um I bet they're defensive guys. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Denver uh, played uh, Terrell Davis. Yep. You got it. And think about me. Uh, oh, Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward. Oh, yeah. Wait, did you say Heinz Ward? Heinz Ward's short and white and squatty? 
<laughs> I said, think of me, the Steelers. Come on, Chuck. No. Oh, okay. Good call. Good call. This one you wouldn't get. The great Jake Scott of the 72 Dolphins. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, number 13. Okay. All right, Chuck. Real quick, rapid fire. We established Tom Brady's the GOAT in your mind, right? Yes. What's your GOAT cereal? Oh, Frosted Flakes. What's your GOAT condiment? Condiment. High 57. I put it on everything. You put it on a hot dog? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, though. I put, I put spicy mustard on mine. Spicy mustard with relish. Ugh. Best vacation you ever had? What's the GOAT vacation? Tiger Woods wedding. Where was that? Uh, it was at Sandy Lane in Barbados, probably the best resort that I've ever stayed at. And he had it rented out for a week. It's probably the best resort I've ever been to. But he rented out for an entire week. And it was just awesome. Italy for me. That's beautiful. All right, last one. Chuck, do you have a best goat hangover cure? There's no cure for hangovers. You just got to ride it out, brother. No tomato juice? No tomato. Oh, my God. I hate tomato juice. <laughs> it's right up there with bananas. No hair of the dog? No, man. I, I You know, it, it's so funny. When I play in the NBA – you know, they always have doctors come in and talk to you about different things. And the doctor says, okay, guys, let's talk about drinking too much. And he says, once you're drunk, you're drunk. He says, why do you guys think you threw up? And, you know, we all say, because you drink too much. He says, no, that's not even why you threw up. You threw up because your body's saying, I'm not going to let this food kill me. So, because your body is the best machine ever. He said, that's why you threw up. Secondly, he says, don't drink coffee because all you're going to do is be a drunk who can't sleep. He said, don't drink water because you're going to be a drunk who got to pee all night. And he said, don't eat anything. He's just going to have more stuff to throw up. He says, once you're drunk, you're just drunk for that next day. Like, I have did the water thing and the food thing, and they definitely, you, you might think they work, but they don't work. Once you're drunk, you're just drunk for the night. Do you routinely throw up after you drink? No, no, no. I'm not stupid. <laughs> I probably have thrown up. I'm not even joking. And, and I like to drink. I probably have only thrown up probably 10 times my whole life. Uh, I like to drink, but I ain't going to just get to the point where I get obliterated. That's just stupid. I don't know how I can follow it up, Ernie, with Dr. Barkley's advice. I don't so. even know why I asked the question. <laughs> well, till next week, Chuck, good luck on your trip to Vegas. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Remember, Jim Nance's tie. It won't be Ernie's bow tie. You know, Ernie, the bad thing about that is they're probably going to have a limit because I'd call Jim and tell him what color to wear if they let me bet it's unlimited. <laughs> you call Jim and say, wear a tangerine tie, will you? There's some, it'll be something extra in your check for that. Get the fixes in. Yeah, but they're probably going to have a limit on it, Ernie. <laughs> All right, boys. See you next week. <laughs> All right, T. <laughs> Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. This has been a, a wide-ranging uh, bunch of conversations here on uh, the steam room this week, Chuckster. I mean, from... Might be one of my favorite shows, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, from from wedding songs uh, for, you know, father-daughter songs for a wedding to magic johnson and all he brought to the table and and you with your hangover cures and how many times you've thrown up i don't i don't know how many loyal steamers we're gonna have this time next week we're but, gonna uh, explode we're gonna blow up yeah. the internet ernie good deal good deal um 
Again, that number is 404-987-0330 if you have some uh, ideas on songs that Charles and his daughter can dance to on her wedding day. So get those to us and we'll, uh, we'll take a look at them next week. But for now, here is Chuck's answering machine. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. I am so nervous. I can't believe I'm leaving a message for you. Ernie, I love you, and I'm a fan of yours as well. Um, Charles, I remember very fond memories of watching NBA games with my uncle when I was little. He would tell me all about the rules of basketball, even though I didn't understand any of it. And I remember seeing you on TV, and I just want to say you're my favorite basketball player of all time because you're just amazing. And like you, I was also raised by my grandma. Please tell me your funniest or best grandma story. Sending much love to Charles and Ernie from the Philippines. Thanks, guys. Wow. The Philippines. Nice. Man, we are international. Man, this is unbelievable. You know, my grandma is the greatest person ever in my life. And I think uh, people know that to make ends meet, my grandma was, was a bootlegger. And uh, <laughs> so <laughs> she, was, she was the best, but she was a little crazy. On Friday, the guys would come over and gamble on the weekend, and we'd be like the little, not the bartenders, like the little waiters. And she'd walk around with like a little six-shooter and a waist in case, because it was a fight every weekend. It was a fight every weekend. <laughs> but my grandma would walk around with a little six-shooter. And, man, I picture that, and uh, it makes me laugh every time I think about it, seeing this uh, amazing little old lady walking around with a gun in her lap in her little band <laughs> And it, and it was just crazy. So she's the most amazing woman ever. But this is how amazing my grandmother was. She started out being a nurse. And she was a cosmetologist, which for you people who don't know what that means, that means do hair. <laughs> so my grandmother was all over the place on things she did. But she had this one weird thing. When she started getting older and she had arthritis, you'd hear this sound, squeak, 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 squeak. And you're like, what the hell is that? And then you go, granted, what are you doing? What's that noise? She would put WD-40 on her knees and ankles as a lubricant. You got to and be kidding me. Hey, <laughs> Ernie, swear. My grandmother would put WD-40 on her ankles and her knees as a lubricant. I mean, <laughs> it, it, you couldn't make it up. She was the best ever. But yeah, Ernie, you hear that little sound it makes? It's like, what's the, what is that noise? And then you're walking and she'd be rubbing her ankles and her knees with WD-40. She said, this lubes everything up. I says, yeah, like doors <laughs> and shutters and things, not people's body parts, Granny. But, man, she was the most amazing person ever. But, man, I got so many Granny stories. It's a, she cursed like a sailor, which when you're walking around with a six-shooter and you got all these fools gambling in your house. And smelling like WD-40. You can make it up. <laughs> Chucks, you're always good hanging out with you. Great hanging out with you and magic today. That was. And again, folks, you loyal steamers, especially. 404-987-0330 if you have ideas for songs that the Chuckster uh, could dance to with his daughter at her wedding in March. Yeah, this time is running out. You gotta, you gotta yeah. make a good call here. You know, I'm gonna go back and listen to that Jimmy Buffett song, but see, that's one of the reasons I want to open it up, Ernie, yeah. because 
you know, I actually like Jimmy Buffett, but he wouldn't have been on the top of my list. So I think we're going to get some good people with some good ideas. Yep, that's Little Miss Magic. And um, give it a listen today. Even if you're not Charles Barkley, you'll love that song. Uh, And we will see you next week when that thumping bass comes in and tells you that you have entered the steam room. We'll see you all next week.